The Everything Else is powered by Abstracta and Learning. Hello, hello. How are you lovelies on the other side? Welcome back to another episode of The Everything Else. Yes. Are we diving straight into the topic? Straight into the topic. Hello, everybody. So much to say, so little time. Let's cut the bullshit then. Okay. Oh. Okay. So, today's episode is the one about personal rebranding. Personal rebranding. That's a thing now. Uh-huh. According to us. According to us. No, it, it's actually a thing. Oh, really? I Googled it. All right, so... We need to have a brand first in order to rebrand yes. it, right? Do that's we all, how it goes. That's how it goes. All right. So do we all have a personal brand? Maybe that's a good place to start before we continue. Let's take a minute or a second because we're not stopping. You can pause if you like to think about our personal brands. Do you have one? What yes. does it convey? Do you have one better? Yes, I think I do. Don't you? Yeah, I, I think so. I don't know if I thought about it strategically per se, but yes. Yeah, you know, I always say that everything communicates. So mm. I have been quite aware of this. And even I consider that the channel where I express certain things, like different social media convey different aspects of who I am. Ah, totally, I agree there. So now, personal branding is something we are constantly hearing about. And rebranding is a thing, as yeah. Meru was saying. We both have been working on rebrandings lately. So sure thing, personal rebranding might makes lots of sense to us. <laughs> so let's start then with branding. Um, I'd like to acknowledge first, if, if I can, that I feel a little icky when I talk about personal branding because it's, it's objectifying, don't you think? Yes. Like my totally. inner anarchist, I think we all have one. <laughs> well, mine sort of whispers, oh, great job there, great job. In this path of self-exploitation, we have now turned ourselves into products that need to be marketed. <laughs> I, I totally see what you mean. I have the feeling that when we feel disconnected at work and we tend to question the system even more and our inner anarchist becomes more active again. <laughs> but yes, when we don't feel connected to what we do for a long part of our day, people naturally will question and even rebel more against the system mm. or even become more cynical about what they do. Yeah, I love this appreciation. Um, I think that that's why it's important to think about this connection that you were talking about, right? Vocation, purpose. We've talked about this before, right? To make sure that there is a true connection. Yes. Now, going back to this concept of personal branding, mm -hmm. on this podcast, we have given the friendly reminder that we are not our jobs several times. Mm -hmm. And this is not just a phrase, right? <laughs> I guess not. Our job titles are not our identity, but many times they are part of our identity, right? Well, yes. Many times what we do in our jobs, not the job title, okay. not my work or the company I work for. Mm. <laughs> is connected to something that we studied that matters to us that we dedicated time to this is connected one way or another to our intrinsic motivation to something we're interested in sometimes we have been into these things even for a long long time right yeah. and sometimes it's not what we do per se but how we do it right like through teaching english as a second language to adults in companies i got to coach people and share ideas on other soft skills right or on being an entrepreneur for example and that is meaningful to you yep. or in my case taking psychological tools that have been so life-changing to me closer to others mm -hmm. right that's what you're doing here in the podcast mm -hmm. too. I try. Ah, you can't help it you <laughs> can't help it <laughs> now i'd like to point out though that when we're talking about personal branding at least here right on the everything else maybe if you google it you'll it, it, i'm sure because i googled it when <laughs> 
when people talk about personal branding, they are most certainly talking about work. But mm -hmm. I think and we think that it's important that it's not just about work. It's about us as individuals across the board, right? The whole package and the skill set. Like the everything else. Like the everything else. So the whole package in an almost literal sense. Okay. It's what makes you selectable in any scenario. How do I become someone? And let me please emphasize this... Quotation marks? <laughs> Quotation marks. She's doing the thing with her fingers. <laughs> so when, when I say someone, let me please emphasize the quotation marks when I say this, right? But how can I tell who will be better for this position? Mm -hmm. This teacher or this other one? This right. professional or this other one? Who will be the better fit for me, mm -hmm. right? And that's where personal branding can make a whole difference. And technology has made it easier for us to generate content and share it. So many people do it more vocally. And I think that we can agree that too vocally. <laughs> many times. Some people many do. times. But, you know, um, this is a characteristic of our time. We all feel we have something to say yeah. and we are able to express it. So the village is getting a bit noisy. The village. <laughs> I have to say, though, that I have seen people channeling and sharing views in interesting ways. Yes. And it does give you hints of who you would rather work with, right? Basically, through branding, you are communicating what makes you you, right? Yes. Totally. Now, these past two years, I have been working with Lorenzo Shakespeare, an abstractist rebranding process. Mm -hmm. He's a renowned branding pro, and he'd say branding, and therefore personal branding, too, is a strategy to communicate what makes us unique and memorable in a world full of noise and stimuli. Mm. So it's a very necessary tool because right. the village is noisy. <laughs> now, I have the feeling that when I was younger, people wanted to be the best, right? That's what mm -hmm. you aspired to. And what being a great professional meant then was different to what it means now. Now, I think that now we understand that there is not one best and it's about who is the best for you for your needs or for a specific moment or a team. And that too can and will change. Can and too will change. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So if branding is this strategy of communicating who you are, rebranding is showing yourself in another light, right? Mm -hmm. It's about revisiting the story we are telling ourselves and others okay. about what we can do, how we do it, and why us doing it and not others can be of value to you. Like pretty much like going to therapy. <laughs> I think everything is like going to therapy for you. <laughs> Maybe. Never not un never not therapy. But I do love the concept though. Rebranding is your brand post therapy. Yeah. That's change. what it is here. Yes. Good. Change here is the key word, right? We are constantly changing and we need to leave room for change. All right. Change in general, right? In ourselves and in others, change professionally and in our personal lives, like we were saying before. Change in the context that we live in. Oh. So um, much of that happening. Talking of our evolution in terms of personal rebranding makes a lot of sense to me. Yes. And when we say reskilling, upskilling, I don't know, but it feels impersonal, like a software you add on, like but a plug -in, it right? doesn't affect your hardware. And they are constantly interacting and affecting one another, like our CEO, Matthias, always gives me this example, right? But yes, this is why this is a very personal process. It involves getting to know yourself and it implies a whole transformation of how you used to think of yourself and what you want to do with your own life. 
what that eulogy is going to be like in mm-hmm. short. <laughs> you know, when we said we'd talk about personal rebranding, I thought that we would have like a lighthearted sort of marketing e- episode. <laughs> But I- I'm thinking now that it's easier and less intense to talk about personal branding than it is to talk about being and being with others when in essence that's what we're talking about, right? So I guess existentialism doesn't seem to sell much these days. <laughs> Yet here we are. <laughs> All right, definitions, please. All right, so personal branding in marketing terms is how you promote yourself and how you want the world to perceive you, right? In deeper terms, so that we don't disturb my inner anarchist, we are talking, in essence, about our identity, mm-hmm. right? And here, I would like to call Vera the Shrink. Here. <laughs> Can we talk a little about how identity is constructed? Uh-huh. Well, the idea... <laughs> Something light, light-hearted yes. and marketing. Well, the idea or ideas we have of who we are, how we perceive ourselves, don't come out of thin air. Okay. We build these through our interaction with others. First, it's our caregivers, and then more and more relevant others add on their views and work as mirrors to us. Okay. So how those others respond to us is key in the process. And this is not just what they say to us. It's not about the words or saying. It's about what we perceive. And all this process starts from the minute you're born, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Some people argue that it's even before you're even born. Before. So the physical aspect of this is huge. The looks, the touch, holding, right? All this paraverbal uh, um, communication, all this emotional life is so intrinsically connected to our bodies. Remember, we are one. So let's not forget when we are talking about this identity, it has to feel right. And that is always in our bodies. Hmm. So it's clear that for a brand's identity, the role of others is essential because we want to be accepted and to, you know, to sell our products and our services, right? Yes. But that is why these comparison concepts actually work, right? Because people want to be liked too. We want to be loved, accepted and seen, basically. <laughs> like we've established, this is the only thing that we, <laughs> the only thing that we want. Everything else is just like decorations It's on the top of it. Else. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to the idea of rebranding as therapy for brands, yes. right? So in, in our case, for example, we just went through a major rebranding in our company. We went from ink to learning. But the rebranding was so much more than a name change. It was a major shift in perception for us. It felt like shedding old skin and maybe because we're co-founders and so maybe it's a little bit more intense than in a regular it company. definitely is more intense it feels very personal yes but uh, marco my partner and i i think we felt this rebranding as a great excuse to not only show the world that we had changed right that now we were ed tech we were more international more content oriented but really is an excuse to see ourselves in this new light more sort of allowing ourselves to actually perceive ourselves again in in this new light right so this process that initially started out as outward for others it became very inward at one point totally learning and understanding how others see us is very interesting to build a strong and realistic self-esteem feedback yes and understanding the mirrors in which we are looking is also relevant like where does that feedback come from Hmm. and all this talk about others and yet 
we will never really rise above the opinion we have of ourselves, right? So it doesn't really matter what other people say, right? If I don't believe in myself, no one will. Or if I don't think I'm worthy, I think no one will, right? Mm. You know, I, I don't see this as black or white, really. But honestly, I, I think with the help of significant others, we can reframe our opinions of ourselves. It's like, curable. You think yes. it's curable. <laughs> well, if not, I, I, I should be dedicating myself to something very different. But identity is not something you build that exists out of your will. That is why understanding the mirrors in which we are looking is relevant. Some can bring us down, like in Snow White, you know? <laughs> And other mirrors can lift us up. Ugh, that's some heavy shit that you just like unpacked. It. <laughs> <laughs> Identity and our self-esteem, how we see ourselves, how we show ourselves to others is largely influenced by our past experiences. Because for you to be living yourself, someone had to be leaving you first. You know, we are with others. So what does this mean in practice? So in simpler terms, branding is nothing but stories, right? The story I was told about myself, the story I tell myself about myself, and the story that I tell others about myself. And in rebranding, this narrative, well, it needs an update. This is what we're talking about. Yes. But for that update to happen, first it needs to be questioned. Okay. For example, when you are a child, you might either think you do things great because your mom used to praise everything you did, or you don't because you were in a highly demanded environment, or you were ignored, you know, life. <laughs> Shit happens. Like. Shit happens. Now, the thing is that as life happens and we get messages from others, we get to see ourselves in other mirrors. Our world expands and we get the chance to question those ideas we had of who we are, of what makes us, us. If we keep choosing to regard ourselves like that or if we want to make some changes. Mm. Doubt, then, is the key to revisiting the story that you tell yourself or questioning. The key, I'd say. Mm. Doubt has bad press, like very neurotic kind of thing. But I think of doubt as curiosity, mm. as the desire to understand, to keep learning. This is very much connected to what is referred to as growth mindset, you mm. know? Yes. And reflection is important because we need to take that time. But questioning is not enough. When we identify what we are telling ourselves is not close to reality, that it is a distorted version of what we what we do, of how we feel, we need to update it. Hmm. An action item. I like that you mentioned feeling, because I think, as with purpose, it's not really a question of thinking. It's a question of Then feeling, experiencing yeah, it. Experiencing it, feeling uncomfortable at a certain point. Because I get a lot that many people are, are telling or giving the correct answer, you know? And again, the question, the quotation marks here, because you say things like theoretically you understand them, but unless you experience this, you live by them, you revisit your past experiences and refresh your views. It's like, you know, everything communicates and this becomes visible in multiple ways. Mm. Once you see it, you start seeing it yeah, everywhere. Yeah. You can't unsee it. And that's why the rebranding process can be very therapeutic for companies and organizations and people, right? It is, it's very similar. Yes. But there's a necessary step between doubt and questioning, like you said, and actually taking action, right? And in this, to quote you, being with others, it seems like we have to verbalize change for it to be real, mm -hmm. right? Like, there is something about 
putting it into words that somehow makes it less of a fantasy. It's like it comes out of your head and it materializes. Yes, it's not just intentions. Yes. It becomes an action. Right? Yes. I, I'd like to share a story in that sense because it, it reminds me of this. I like to write, you know, ever, and ever since I was a kid, I've written and I've always done it in different formats. And a while back, I was taking some workshops and I had a writing coach and she gave us assignments and we'd write. And at the end of the year, we'd publish a compilation of our short stories. And after a couple of years discussing what to do, right, my coach tells me that she thinks that I'm ready for a bigger challenge. Ah. Like what, right? Like writing something of my own in a more serious manner, like a nouvelle, right? Like a, a short novel. And, you know, of course, I started to freak out when she told me that she thought that I could be it. And I was like, what? But, you know, become a writer. And she said something that stuck with me. And she said, the only difference between being a writer and not being a writer is saying that you are one. <laughs> It's powerful, right? Now, I totally get what your coach meant. But because it is connected to something very profound, it means not just saying it. It's about seeing yourself as one, realizing you could be that person. But I, but I did secretly, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I, I sort of fantasize. I, I had fantasized about being a writer ever since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So um, but I saying could, it, out but loud? actually saying it out loud to others made it real. And to be honest, the pressure of actually having to think about saying it made me run away from the idea. So no book for now. <laughs> Now, let's think of this with podcasting. What? The same thing, right? Saying that you're a podcaster. But I, I remember the decision to put podcasting on my LinkedIn. I don't know if you remember. We talked about mm -hmm. it. Are you putting it? I'm putting it. No. <laughs> and it's like, I'm putting podcasting. Is this real? Yeah. And it made it real. It's like, you, we recorded the episode and it was as real as it gets. But actually making it public, saying the words, putting it in, on LinkedIn. I mean, it sounds stupid, but it, it sort of put it in another dimension. In any case, this verbalizing, sometimes it works, but it doesn't always work, right? I mean, I can't just say that I'm a doctor now and become a doctor because I worked up the courage to say that I was one, right? <laughs> I certainly hope not. <laughs> but being someone who helps others, it can work like that. Yes. Yes. I remember when we started seeing patients, we were not formally professionals. And by we, I mean all my friends who, my colleagues, we were already helping others, listening, giving some insights. Our first steps are therapists, you know. Yeah. And our patients called us doctor. Actually, they called us Dodora. And it took my friends and I some time to realize that they were talking to us. It was like, you're talking to me? <laughs> That's me? But, but you were on the path to change, right? You were putting in the hours and the study. I mean, it, it's difficult to, to accept it, right? But you were doing that, which is required for many personal rebranding stories, which is time, putting in the time, studying, making an effort. In, in other um, types of careers, I think that there's an allowance for more crossing over, maybe careers that are built on foundations of soft skills or core skills, right? Uh, the ones that are allowing more free mobility ac across professions, I think, now. right? Because yes. in, in others, it's more about the hard skills, like you have to put in the time. And in others, it's more about reframing how you do yes things. exactly exactly and some of these changes can be gradual many times mm. seeing the connection of the path you've built that led you where you are yeah particularly with these more core skills exactly and this update of your skills is what makes you evolve gradually into something but 
in some cases, some people make very radical changes. Yeah, and let's get real. I mean, I think it all sounds wonderful when you read the quotes, right? You know that one? <laughs> You're always one decision away from a completely different life. Or For me, that's scary. Yeah, <laughs> it is, but it is scary. I mean, it's, it's, it's hopeful, I suppose, right? But sometimes the stakes are really high, and sometimes we stick to decisions because we're afraid of that change. One of the main thoughts, I think, is the sun, the sunken cost bias. Remember, we sunken spoke, cost bias. It's the one we spoke about this in the critical thinking episode. It's that you've invested so much on something that you just have to continue it. There's you can't change it, right? I've put in so much time, I've put in so much money and so much effort that I, I can't possibly change now. And it takes courage to change, right? Like a shitload of courage, I think, for these big, big transitions. Well said. Yes, living life, experiencing life, implies a shitload of courage. Your words. <laughs> right, I quote you in We Are With Others. <laughs> now me. I quote you. <laughs> a shitload of courage. But uh, you know what? I like that. Just living. Just living requires a shitload of courage. Yes, <laughs> but living, not staying alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living. Living. And I feel it's important to state that change is not bad Mm. if you decide to make a strategic turn in your life. That doesn't mean that you have failed in your previous direction. That's really important. So I know that it's easier said than done, but it's important to remind ourselves to celebrate the path, honor your past and what you've been able to do with it. Mm. And and connect the dots, I think, like Steve Jobs, right? I'm a big fan of, of that speech. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. I think that all the paths lead to where we are and you need to sometimes help construct that narrative that explains how your past fits into your present. That that construction of that narrative is very important. That's why rebranding is like therapy. Mm. I, it's That is spot on. That helps a lot. But still, these changes are easy, I think, when we're meeting new people, but it's sometimes difficult to reintroduce yourself to to people that you already know, right? Like mm-hmm. your new self, like, hey, now I am this. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like sometimes others' views of you, they become sort of crystallized. Like you are that person. They've stuck that label on you. No, it, it makes people uneasy when you change. Yes, and, and we have the ghost of the past, you know, and some people need to hold on to that vision of you, of who you were before. And we need to kind of understand that. Mm. Now, Magali, she, she coached us at learning. She was always quick to point out that observing and validating change in others is always slower than perceiving our own change. That was really important because sometimes mm-hmm. you want to change something and you know that you're making an effort to change for example in soft skills right uh, you, you're not good at numbers you're not a team player right you're I'm aggressive trying. and I'm you're making a big effort and it's difficult for others to see that until the change has become so evident that you cannot not see it I think mm-hmm. it's their own noise that noise that we're always talking about right the le- the lenses through which they perceive the world doesn't allow them to see change and so it's prejudice in a way it's prejudice it's and you're stuck in the past I think so that we have to allow for that time to acknowledge and be open to the fact that that takes time Mm -hmm. also for the change to be perceived exactly totally 
And uh, while we're at it, uh, th th this thing about change in others, I think it's really, really important to embrace embrace change, not all only in yourself, but also in others. Well, allowing others, other, other people, people change also. Uh, <laughs> it was hard enough me changing, but other people did at the same time. No, no, that's it's unacceptable. Way, this is way too difficult. <laughs> I'm changing, but you are staying right where you are. <laughs> Do you know any inspiring stories of career changes or personal branding? Sorry, I, I have to say something before. Um, when we were talking about failure, because I think it's implicit, you were saying how, you know, if, if you decided to change, it doesn't mean that the past was a failure. I think it's really important to to understand that the path is not like a, just a, a one straight direction. Line. It's not a straight line. And when you're in the middle of something, it always looks like a hot mess. It mm -hmm. always looks like a failure. And so we have to always keep in mind where it is that we're going. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we had talked about that before and I, I, I just wanted to, I, I don't know where, I just wanted to throw it in. <laughs> <laughs> so inspire, we were talking about inspiring stories of career changes or personal branding. Yeah. Um, or personal rebranding, personal we should rebranding. say, right? Uh, I'm not going to talk about my own case because it's kind but of... But I think you should. Well, <laughs> it's Is this, Are long. you asking for permission? <laughs> it's quite long. Go ahead, Vena. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you, I mean, it is a gradual. It has been gradual and it has taken me lots of therapy also. Um, but why? What was your conversion? I used to be a teacher and a psychotherapist, and now I'm the chief culture officer at Abstract That. And how that happened was a path of discovery for both parties, for me and for the company as well, and all the people that work there. Yeah. And I am a really reluctant entrepreneur. And, you know, I, <laughs> that is not something that I had planned to be, but sometimes I do find myself in that situation and it happens gradually it's not a major career change do you know stories of a why major say, career may change? I may I just stop and say why are you a reluctant entrepreneur why do you always say that I always say that because I don't feel I have imposter syndrome I think we'll talk about that okay so this this episode again is our therapy <laughs> all right so do you know any other people's experience as career rebranding really important career change because I, I know a lot of evolutions and I have become I've understood that, that that is the path, right? Mm -hmm. like to continuously you change and be flexible. You don't start studying yeah. something and, and you then say, you become that how. for the rest of your life. I, I, I wouldn't want that for me either. But I do know some like major career changes. For example, I have a friend who studied computer engineering and then she got a paid scholarship at the US to get a master's in biomedical engineering. And then when she came back, she said, fuck that. <laughs> And she is now a photographer and an exceptional one at that. And for, you know, I think that that took a lot of, of courage. courage. Do you have any she stories? Of a lot of courage. So what stories do you have from Reconvertite? Well, Reconvertite is this program Abstracta runs to promote labor reconversion to enter the IT industry, particularly in testing as an entry level, right? And we've done this in different ways, trying to reskill people whose jobs are vulnerable for different reasons. We focused on women who lived outside the capital, on people over 50, another, another um, batch targeted on migrants and refugees and we've seen how challenging this is mm. especially for for the people who have done it as migrants and refugees hats off for that experience like it's challenging it it shakes their identity mm. 
But when it does happen, it looks exactly as you described when you were talking about rebranding. It's like shedding off old skin. Mm. Now, it has many implications and it is a process. It's not from one day to the other, right? And it yeah. takes some time to you know, process it. Yeah, yes, yeah, elaborating. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Now, when you change, one of the most common feelings um, when you cross over is this imposter syndrome that we were yes. talking about before. It, well, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. What can I say? It's feeling, I think, that you're a fraud, that you don't have what it takes. Um, and at any point, it's going to be discovered that you are a fraud. Yes. No, they're going to realize I'm just making this up as I go along, right? <laughs> I'm laughing, but it's not because I've experienced it. <laughs> Now, this initially, when the first studies came out, it was like a female problem, problem mm -hmm. right? People said that women suffered from imposter syndrome, but it's been demonstrated everywhere that it's something that everyone across the board suffers from. It's widely acknowledged um, that it can affect anyone, right? Have you ever suffered from imposter syndrome? Most definitely. <laughs> Uh, I don't think anyone hasn't. I, it being, for example, an entrepreneur, I you asked me before. I feel that I'm a reluctant entrepreneur because I, when people describe entrepreneurs, it's like they describe a type of person that is not me. I, it's not me. I have like a huge aversion to risk, and that's mm -hmm. it's stupid. You can't be an entrepreneur <laughs> if you do that. So, my advice, if you want to make a major, if you want to be an entrepreneur and you don't have the skill set, is to find somebody who does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and so diversity yes, is our strength. Diversity, diversity is the strength. Um, but it. it Is that something that has always happened because everyone's talking about imposter syndrome now? Is it just anxiety? Well, I don't think it's just anxiety. It's like a combination of things. That's why it's called a syndrome, right? Wait, what is a syndrome, Vera? <laughs> well, a syndrome is a combination of symptoms. <laughs> so what goes into the imposter syndrome recipe? So in the mix, we have one or two cups of anxiety for sure. Okay. But we also add a half a cup of self-esteem issues. Okay. A pinch of unrealistic expectations. <laughs> and all this is garnished with some very unhelpful assumptions about what life and people should be like. Delicious. <laughs> all right, so, but what's up with putting a label on it? Because no, everyone says, oh, I... Well, if you I, name it, it exists. If you name it, it exists. But, okay, I understand that it's... It's a syndrome, and so it's a mixture of things. But I think people sort of hide behind it. You know, oh, it's just, I just have imposter syndrome, and that's it, right? I think it's, it's like a code of saying, I'm feeling inappropriate here. I, I'm feeling weird here. But it's, it's the same as personal rebranding. It's mm -hmm. like we're making up these names that sound sort of lighthearted and we're not talking about the underlying issues and we're not talking that you feel the shame yeah yeah shame anxiety inadequacy inadequacy right? okay you <laughs> i think that you you know you have issues celebrating your own success and accepting your achievements or understanding other people's shortcomings right and i think that we've we've all been there when we talk about imposter syndrome it's just it's 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 a human it, everyone has it Well, no. but I think it's great. You know, I celebrate that. I've seen CEOs normalizing this. I've seen people who should know lots of things normalizing this. And if the word helps, let's let it help, right? But understanding that we have all been there um, helps a lot. And we revisit it. We will revisit it every now and then when things get challenging because you always at a moment 
come back to this insecurity, right? Mm. Your uh, Brené Brown calls it the fucking first times, the FFTs. Mm. Mm. Whenever you're doing something for the very first time, ah, you're struggling with this like, with these feelings. But it's not a diagnosis. You can have imposter moments, but okay, let's get out of the label, right? Why are we talking about this? All right. Why should people think about rebranding? Well, because life is long and full of twists and turns and you know, work life is even longer now, right? And rebranding can help us to keep it more interesting or entertaining. Like we can still surprise ourselves. Change is inherent to life. We are not the same people as we were 10, 15 years ago. Yes, and no. we, we, we are living a process, right? And it's never finished. Uh, it's Define, it's not defined and labeling ourselves or putting an end to our careers or defining before it even starts what we're going to do for the rest of our lives. Yeah, it's huge. Mm. So it's like building a cage for ourselves and it's full of limiting beliefs. So rebranding people, mm. personal rebranding. And also, if we don't work on being the stars in our own movies, you know, we're just going to end up doing cameos in other people's movies. So yes, that's <laughs> why might as well. That, I love this phrase, right? Matt always talks about the cameos in other people's movies, but understanding this, that we can change and there's nothing wrong there. As you were saying, it's huge to actually live the life that you want, mm -hmm. right? Now, work-wise, there are various situations that might lead to a rebranding, mm -hmm. right? But in the world of work, it's changing rapidly and this is becoming more and more relevant also. It's yeah. not just a personal thing because life is very long and we have changes, but the world of work is changing, isn't it, Madam? So there's one part which is more about fulfilling vocation, call, if it feels right or feeling if it doesn't. Love. Yeah. And the other part is about when your job is vulnerable that yes. you mentioned before. Yes, because many times we talk about this and we say a oh, career change because you're bored or not feeling challenged enough or you don't like your job or even maybe sometimes you want a higher paying job. Hmm. So those are you need to upskill a little, make some changes, take some courage. Hmm. But many other times you have to completely reskill because you'll soon be out of a job maybe yeah. not now or possibly in the future because of technology even yeah but it's gonna happen mm -hmm. to rebrand rebranding people all right let's get to the hacks hack number one go for it if you're feeling it's time to make a change then take the leap it's probably true <laughs> hint number two hints of change when talking about rebranding, it's not about building a radical new persona. Start making changes so that you don't generate resistance in others and you start getting used to the idea and reducing the fear. Yeah, so don't wait until it's over to tell everyone, oh, now I am this, right? Again, with the metaphor of the rebranding for the companies, yes. right? You can do it little by little or start one day and have everything with the new image. Yeah, you know? it generates a little bit more resistance if you're not part of the process, mm -hmm. I think. so. Yes. All right, surround yourself. Hack number three. Hack number three. Surround yourself with people who are willing to evolve so that they can foster and support your own evolution. This may sound basic, but it's not easy to find. Hang on to people who are there for your change and be there for other people's changes. Mm -hmm. I heard a guy called Daniel Levitin use a phrase, be the midwife for other people's dreams. And I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, that's our t-shirt. 
a sweeter T-shirt than <laughs> the ones that generally generally have. Okay, hack number four: connect the dots for others. Future employers and career change, or people close to you, so that they understand this new position. Build that narrative to make sense of it. There's a quote I love by American poet Longfellow that says, "We judge ourselves by what we feel capable of doing, but others judge us by what we have already done." And this is very true, at work, particularly at work. Mm. Yeah. Hack number five: Fake it till you make it. Even if you don't feel confident. Pretend that you are. Power pose. Repeat mantras. You'll gradually start to convince yourself that you are. And if you're afraid, maybe you will do it scared. I love that, right? If you're scared, just do it scared. <laughs> just do it scared. <laughs> All right.、Um, hack number five. Give opportunities. I think it's number six. Number six. Yeah. Hack number six. Give opportunities. If you're in a position to do so, have faith that people. Without the experience that are crossing over and rebranding, can get the job done. Right, that they will have other perspectives that can contribute to your needs at that moment. And believe in them. Believe We all need、them. someone that believes in us. Yes. I would also like to mention, since we talked about imposter syndrome, that if you're in a place where you can give opportunities to people who don't have experience, then it is your responsibility to reduce the possibilities of these people suffering from imposter syndrome. Because this syndrome is in part responsibility of the person who has it, who has to work on issues and try go to and therapy. solve it. Yeah, go to therapy, listen to the everything else.、Um, but it's also the responsibility of the work culture that is the foundation of where imposter syndrome manifests. So. So it's your job as an opportunity giver to not make people feel inadequate. Here, here, <laughs> and that, my friends, is where we part our ways. We hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. Go out, rebrand yourselves, and remember to focus on the everything else. Bye. Thanks for sticking around till the end, so we can give you our CTA. If you like this episode, share it with someone who could use it, and remember to follow us on social media. We are the Everything Else Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and you can follow us on LinkedIn. We are Vera Babat and Mercedes Remedi. A big shout out to our sponsors, Learning and Abstracta, our sound producers at Oikast, and our producer Natalie Rogers.